Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles today, be finding Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah chapter 49. We've been looking on Sunday mornings at the concept of the covenant and we have said that it is the the grand narrative the main storyline of the Bible is that that God makes covenants with us and that there are two main covenants there is the Old Testament or Old Covenant and the New Testament or New Covenant. Those are the two main ones. The word testament is simply an old English uh, word that um, uh, means the same thing as a covenant. And understanding these covenants is what we've been trying to put in front of you these last few weeks. If you have Isaiah 49 opened, uh, notice our key verse, verse 3, he said to me, you are my servant Israel in whom I will be glorified. Something got my attention as I have been going through the Old Testament and uh, came to the book of Isaiah and was reading through Isaiah and got to chapter 49 and it says you are my servant Israel in whom I will be glorified the background of Isaiah is that the nation of Israel which as you remember uh, came from Jacob Abraham Isaac Jacob he had 12 sons they had 12 families, and those 12 families became the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And they have been, because of their idolatry, they have been exiled or deported to Babylon. And as uh, Isaiah is speaking to, to these, uh, because many of them wondered if, they would recover from this exile. So God says, you are my servant Israel in whom I will be glorified. But he goes on. I, I would like to actually uh, read starting in verse 1 and go through verse 6. Listen, O coastlands, give attention, you peoples from afar. That would be us. The Lord has called me from the womb, the, from the body of my mother. He named my name. Verse 2, he made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow in his quiver. He hid me away. Verse 3, he said to me, you are my servant Israel in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I've labored in vain and spent my strength for nothing. But my right... Or my vindication is with the Lord, and my recompense is with my God. Verse 5, And now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, that Israel might be gathered to him, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and God is my strength. 
verse 6, he says, It's too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you also a light for the nations, and my salvation will reach to the end of the earth. Now, the Israelites today, the Jews today over in the land of Israel, uh, have often spoken of this idea that Israel is a light to the nations. He calls him that in verse 6. You see that? I will make you a light to the nations, and my salvation reach to the end of the earth. The present prime minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, he spoke at a conference some years ago and says, Israel is no longer a ruled people, defeated and persecuted, but a proud people with a great country which aspires to serve as a light to the nations. So they view themselves as a light to the nations based on one of the texts that they use is Isaiah 49 and 6. In fact, they chose as their emblem, their symbol, the menorah, which is a candlestick, which has, which is a light shining in the darkness. But is Isaiah 49 actually about Israel? And I want to ask and answer four questions as I looked at this passage. One was the, to the question of who is Israel in Isaiah 49? Who is this? And the first question is, in verse 1, the Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother, he named my name. Who was named in the womb? And it was not Jacob or Israel. Uh, Israel, Jacob was named Israel in Genesis 32 when he wrestled with the angel. You remember that story? And he said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. When he was born in, chapter, in Genesis 25, but his name was given in Genesis 32. But do you know who was named in the womb? Jesus. Matthew 121 to Mary, the angel said, you will bear a son and call his name Jesus. This was before he was born. You will bear a son and he was named Jesus before he was born. Here's another question and answer. Verse 2, whose mouth is like a sharp sword? Verse 2, he made my mouth like a sharp sword in the shadow of his hand he hid me. Well, there's only one person in the Bible whose mouth is like a sharp sword. That is, when he speaks, it cuts. Revelation 19, 15, speaking of Christ, it says, From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. A third question is verse 5. 
Now the Lord says, who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob or Israel back to him, that Israel might be gathered to him. Who gathers Israel? That would seem odd if God called Israel to gather Israel. But Jesus is called to gather the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Matthew chapter 10. And then a fourth one in verse 6. He says, and it's too small of a thing, too light of a thing, that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob. See, this makes more sense if it's about Jesus. But I am also going to make you a light to the nations, and I will make you singular a light to the nations that my salvation may go to the ends of the earth. Again, that is Jesus. And I know that because this verse, Isaiah 49, verse 6, a light to the nations and salvation to the end of the earth, is quoted by the Apostle Paul when the Jews rejected the gospel. He quotes this verse, Isaiah 49, 6. And he quotes it in Acts 13, 47, and says, I am going to turn to Gentiles, and speaking of Christ, he says, I have made you a light to the Gentiles, the nations, to bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. So this passage is about Jesus. But the, the question then is, why is Jesus called Israel in verse 3? He said to me, you, singular, are my servant Israel. Why is Jesus referred to as Israel? This is the heart of the gospel now that I'm going to give you. It is the grand narrative of Scripture, Old and New Testament. And here's the way we should view this. In the Old Testament, if you wanted to know God, what did you do? Well, you went to Israel. If you wanted to enter a covenant with God, you entered the covenant that Israel had with God. Israel bore God's name. They represented God in the Old Covenant. You remember that verse in uh, rather famous among Baptists, 2 Chronicles 7, 14? If my people called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and I'll hear from heaven. They're called by his name. Who is that? That was Israel in the Old Testament. Israel was his witness, Isaiah 43.10. You shall be my witnesses, says the Lord. So if you wanted to know God, if you wanted to know the true God, and you wanted to know God's will on a matter, you went to Israel. If you wanted to enter a covenant with God and know God, you joined Israel. 
And you know these, these examples. For example, when Joshua went into the land of Canaan and, and Jericho fell, Rahab was there. She was a Canaanite. But she joined Israel, intermarried, and married a prince there in Israel and became an ancestor of Christ. Ruth, remember Ruth, was a Moabite. And she was down in Moab and joined herself with Ruth, the Israelite, and they, because their husbands had died, so they made their trip back to where? Israel. Because she said, your God will be my God. And even other names we could pull out. Uh, give you one more quick one. Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba. He's called Uriah the Hittite. Well, the Hittites were way up north in Turkey, modern-day Turkey. But when you wanted to know God, you believed that Israel had the true God. Your, your, all your gods were idols and false gods. The creator God was the God Israel worshipped. You made that trip. They had a temple and you could worship. Israel is compared to a vine in the Old Testament. Psalm 80, verse 8, you brought a vine out of Egypt and drove out the nations and planted that vine. Isaiah 5, 7, the vineyard of the Lord is the house of Israel. So what do you have here? Isaiah 49.3 You have a new Israel predicted that's going to be a light to the nations and through him salvation will go to the ends of the earth. There's a new Israel. The old Israel and the old covenant would pass away. Look, if you would, at Isaiah 49 and down at verse 8. Thus says the Lord, in a time of favor I answered you, verse 8. In a day of salvation I helped you, speaking of this new Israel. I will keep you, and notice, and give you as a covenant to the people. Jesus has become the new Israel. We no longer, if we want to know God, we no longer have to get on a plane and fly to Israel. Now, he says, I will give you the new Israel, Jesus. He said, I will give you as a covenant to the people. So instead of going to Israel, now we go to Jesus. Amen. Jesus, the individual, the perfect Jew, the virtuous Israelite, God in the flesh has become a replacement for Old Testament Israel who rejected the prophets, disobeyed their God, violated their covenant and crucified their Messiah. And he, in his death and resurrection, replaced them. So Jesus as the new Israel 
presenting a new covenant, and Jesus is the new vine, and we are branches in it. Remember what he said in John 15? I am the vine. I am the true vine, the faithful vine, and you are branches in me. See, in the Old Testament, Israel was the vine. Isaiah 5, 7, the vineyard of the Lord is the house of Israel. But in the new covenant, an everlasting covenant, a permanent covenant has been established. And Jesus is now that vine. And we are the new Israel in him. The new covenant people are the new light to the nations. Taking salvation to the ends of the earth. You know what we do? Every month, we send a financial gift to our association and to our state convention, and part of that money goes to preaching the gospel and supporting missionaries around the world. We, we are taking the gospel of who is the true God and how do you know him? How can you get to know him? We're taking that around the world. We, have, we participate in that every month. See, we're the light in Christ. We're the light to the nations. But if, if you wanted to know God without the gospel, without the church, without the pulpit, without the new covenant, you know what you'd do? You'd have to go to Old Testament Israel. Get you a plane, fly over there, find you a rabbi and say, how can I know God? I, uh, I did a little bit of research on how Jews permit converts. They do permit them, but good luck with that. The first thing that it is by law in modern-day Israel, if a Gentile wants to know their God and become Jewish, become part for in Israel and enter that covenant the, the first thing by law the rabbi must do is take the potential convert and spend one to two years trying to talk them out of it <laughs> now that's not exactly seeker sensitive that's not a good outreach program. And, and let me tell you, if you want to know God and have your sins forgiven and have assurance of eternal life, let me tell you something. I will not take an entire year of your life and meet with you every week and try to dissuade you of your faith. <laughs> I want to assure you of that. Say, amen, I'm glad for that. But you can't get to know God in modern-day Israel. Modern-day Israel is one of the least religious countries in the world. A Jew the Jewish newspaper in Jerusalem had an article entitled, Israel, one of the least religious countries in the world, found that 80 to 90% of most Middle Easterners are religious, but only 30% of modern Israelis are religious and 15% are Orthodox Jews. It's amazing. 
But if you want to know God, you can go to any church that preaches the gospel and you can know him that day. Because you don't go to Israel, you go to Jesus. Jesus is the new Israel, caught, named in his mother's womb. His mouth like a sharp sword, bringing Israel back to God and a light to the nations and salvation to the ends of the earth. That's the description in Isaiah 49. Now let me just uh, summarize this real quick with three final thoughts. One is that what Israel was in the Old Testament, Christ, the new vine, the new Israel, and his church are today. If you want to know what we are to be, what were they to be? They were to be witnesses. They were to be a blessing to the nation. So Romans eleven twenty nine says that we Gentiles have been grafted into that olive tree. Talking about the people of God whose roots go all the way back to the Old Testament. Unbelieving Jews were broken off, but we who have faith in Christ are grafted in. For he says... Romans eleven twenty nine. 29, the gifts and the calling of God are irreversible. God's still doing what he's always done. And that's he has a people in covenant who tell others about him. Let me tell you a second thing. And that is where Israel failed, Jesus succeeds. Jesus was faithful to the Father. If you look at the kings of Israel in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, their best kings failed and sinned. David, guilty of polygamy, adultery, and murder. The priesthood, Aaron, made an idol for the people to worship. And the prophets were rejected. But here is the Lord Jesus, the king who never sinned, the priest who prays and in whose intercession we are saved to the uttermost, the prophet who speaks and the wind and the waves obey him. He embodies Israel. He is the composite of all the perfections of the offices in Old Testament Israel. That's Jesus. Where Israel failed, Jesus succeeds. And then one final point I would make is this, that the central point of the Old Testament and the New Testament is the person Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ. The Old Testament points to him. The New Testament says he has come. So if you are weak, he has strength. If you are sinful, he has forgiveness. If you are poor, he has provision. If you are dying, he is resurrection if you are lonely, he is an ever-present help in time of trouble. 
some of you know we had the funeral uh, this week of a young man who was our violinist at the field house and uh, as I talked with the family went over we, we talked we went over the how the funeral would be arranged and what we would do and and I had the privilege of leading in that funeral service and someone said to me that must be really hard and it's not an it is a burden to, to comfort a family but let me tell you something I've done 80 90 year old people who prosperous good life long life but not Christians here's a young man 21 years old a dedicated well-known Christian and you know what's hard this 80 to 90 year old person who's not a Christian brother that's hard I have comfort and I have hope for this 21 year old I, I may not have a lot of answers but I can tell you I've got a gospel and there is a resurrection and there is a heaven for this one it's much harder to do a funeral of a non-Christian, no matter how famous or wealthy or happy they may have been in life. Here is your comfort. And that's all that's all I had to share. And you know what? That is enough to share. Is there is a coming day in which God will raise them up and be reunited with loved ones. That's what Jesus so I praise God we have a new and faithful Israel in Jesus Christ a new vine and we may be branches in the 